Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is impacting your life. So please take a moment and email us at mystory at cowboyjunctionchurch.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at cowboyjunctionchurch.com and click give. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today's a really cool day for me. Today's a very exciting day for me. 25 years ago this month, I packed up everything and stepped out in faith so I could follow the voice of God for my life, for the kingdom of heaven, and I moved to Phoenix, Arizona. Everything that you see in my life today, then you would say, I can definitely see Jesus at work in Ty's life, started from that move in 1992. The man who's speaking today has influenced my life in a way that is hard to explain. (laughs) Today is both exciting and the scariest day of my life. (laughs) A lot of people have introduced Tommy Barnett as their hero, and I know exactly what they mean. However, my appreciation for him is always going to be a hero, but it's a lot deeper than that. I've served him. He's mentored me. I have been in countless illustrated sermons that we got a phone call the night before, a vision that he had, and we worked all night to make sure it was the best sermon that was in his heart to do. I ran bus routes, graduated from the Master's Commission program, Served in pastor's school where over thousands of pastors every year came to learn how to lead their church better. And not only that, but we put on a church rodeo together. That day, that night, 3,000 people came to our church rodeo and 300 people accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. By the way, I was 23 years old. The best sermon... The best sermons that I've ever heard in my life were spoken by this man. He inspired me to teach the gospel accurately and with always the mind of the lost in my heart. Today, I've counted up that I have led around 10,000 people to Jesus Christ. So as far as introducing him as a hero... Well, he'll always be my hero. But the word hero does not do justice to the simple fact that he is my pastor. Today, I'd like to introduce to you, for the first time ever, my pastor, Pastor Tommy Barnett. Come on, let's give Jesus a real big clap offering. Come on, raise it up. You can do better than that, I know. Come on. A little higher. One more time. Come on. Yeah. Well, well, before you're seated, wait just a minute. Before you're seated, turn to the one beside you and say you look like you've lost weight. Come on, tell them that right now. That'll make you feel better. All right, all right. Oh, don't you feel better already? All right. We might not have told the truth, but uh, we'll we'll have an altar call pretty soon. Amen. Wow. What a joy to be here. My goodness. First of all, what a nice introduction. I've had a lot of introductions. I 
Had them from Jack Hayford, you know, the great Bible teacher. When he finished his introduction, I felt like I'd been introduced in the King James Version. <laughs> Amen. But after hearing this wonderful this introduction, it has to be, well, it has to, what you, it has to be the Amplified Version. Amen. <laughs> but it's the nicest introduction I've ever had because I know it came from your heart, Pastor Ty. And I just appreciate it more than I can tell you all. The honor is mine to be here today. It's not the honor you to have me. It's my honor to be here. This is one of the great joys of my life. And literally, it is a point of light in my ministry just to be here, to see what God has done in a very, very unusual way. You guys were the, were the pioneers of doing cowboy churches. And all across the land, people are trying to do it, but they just don't do it with the excellence and the style and, and the way it should be done. And I appreciate it with all all of my heart. Let me just say a word about Ty. You know, when he came 25 years ago to be a part of our Master's Commission and our church, 25 years ago, this cowboy young man showed up, and he had a smile. He had a bigness about him and just an expansion, and he touched our church. And I can honestly say, 25 years later, you can mention the name Ty Bean. They remember him. They smile. There's a joy in their heart. This man has a spirit of joy and gladness. The Bible speaks of we need a spirit of joy and gladness. And wherever he goes, when he walks into a room, it's a better place when he walks out just by the spirit that he had. And you know what? He loves you folks. He thinks you're the best. You've really got him fooled. Amen. He, he, th he thinks you're the best people in all of the world. And I tell you, it is such a joy to be here with him. And to really get to know and meet his wife last night. Man, she is a fox. Amen. I love her. Amen. I love her. Such a classy woman. Would you agree with me? Thank God. Such a warm lady. And I, I, I just really fell in love with Heather last night. And see how God has used her with the great women's ministry here in this city. I mean, that's, that's really something that everybody could learn. The way she does it, the attendance, the, it's just magnificent. I'm so proud to be here, and I'm so proud of both of you. God has certainly raised you up. And I want to say to you that the God has done great things these last 20-some-odd years, or 20 or what? Is it 19 or 20? 19, that you have been here. But let me just say that the latter house is going to even be greater than the former. He's, they're, they're, they're young couples, you know. And the future is really ahead of them. And I just, this church, and with your great support and your love. There's no limit to what God is doing now and what he's going to do. And when I drove in today and I saw that beautiful entrance and drove into this place, I expected it to be real good, but not like this. You've exceeded it. The worship is wonderful. The building facilities, man, they just captivate you. And all this beautiful property. I love property. How many like property? <laughs> man, and, and you know, you know, I just... I just would just glory in it and listen to this beautiful music. You know what? You guys are a bunch of spoiled, rotten brats. Amen. <laughs> Got to find the, some of the greatest pastors literally in the world. And uh, you have them here. Get behind them. Love them. Be loyal. Be faithful. There's no limit to what God is going to do. Hey, real quickly before I go, and I'm going to mention something real briefly. I, I wrote a book not too long ago. Many of you might have seen us introduce this. Good, good.
Good Morning America with Kathy Lee Gifford, the most watched television program. You know, when she comes to L.A., she's part of the L.A. Dream Center Church, and I'm her kind of her pastor, so Matthew and I. So we introduce this book, The Power of a Half Hour. This book has literally become a bestseller. Actually, it's become number one in my house. Amen, thank God, you know. <laughs> but this book has really taken off. And uh, it's more, it's not a time managing book, it's a life managing book. Most of us never reach our dreams because we run out of time. This is how using the waste of time, waiting for the airport, for the plane, waiting at the dentist office. This is about raising children. How do we raise three children that are world chambers? Our daughter speaks all over the country in, in, in women's conferences. And the two sons, you know, Matthew, the Dream Center, and of course, Luke at has taken and now is the lead pastor of Phoenix First. And as a result of it today, God has blessed him greatly. We talk about raising children. you got to get this book. We only have uh, not much left because we were at Charles Neiman's conference up there, and they just took them, and it was a blessing. But you may want to stop. you got one more thing. Pastor, you know, we, normally we can just bring one book with us, but when we were coming to Cowboy Junction, we decided to do something very special. Uh, up there on the screen, they've got a picture of, of what's on this little USB card. Yeah. We have put over two years' worth of messages. We have 10 of your uh, uh, audio series, your teaching series about relationship with God and, and, and your family and your friends. And we also have on here illustrated sermons, illustrated skits. We have over a year's worth of, of full transcript sermons. Altogether, uh, about $600 worth of, of materials on here. But we didn't stop there. We added seven of your e-books on this as well. So, so this is a very special card, and we're going to offer it at a very special price today for just $60. So. Well, wonderful. Thank you. My whole life is there. It's worth more than 60 bucks. I'll tell you that. And I'm going to be there after service to sign your book if you want to come by. And I'd like to shake your hand and give you a hug. Now, if you're not a hugger, buy the book and run. <laughs> but run fast because I'll probably tackle you and hug you. Amen. But uh, thank God. I just feel at home here today. You got to forgive me if I'm a little sentimental here today. Because I love your pastor and his wife so very, very much. You also got to forgive me because I'm sentimental because in next month, I turned 80 years of age. 80 years. Matter of fact, I've been preaching for 63 years. Started when I was 16 years of age. We figured up the other day, I've been married 53 years to the same old gal. Amen. I preached over 18,000 messages in my life. And alone on American Airlines, I've got 8 million miles. Amen. Just on American Airlines. So I, I've had a lot of miles put upon me. You hear a guy now and then say, I am a self-made man. But when you look at Tommy Barnett, I am not a self-made man. I'm a product of the people that have poured into my life, of what I have seen and what I have heard. You see, when you see Tommy Barnett, you see a little bit of Dr. Brother Oral Roberts. He was my friend. He would fly to Phoenix every year, spend a week with me. During the day, we'd do something spiritual. We'd play golf. Amen. <laughs> and at nighttime, we'd get in the Word of God and just seek the Lord. Oh, Roberts poured faith into me. To believe God, he poured seeth faith into my heart. So when you look at Tommy Barnett, you see a little bit of the 
impartation of Oral Roberts. When you look at Tommy Barnett, you see a little bit of Dr. Cho, pastor of the largest church in all of the world, in the history of the world. A church of 750,000 people in one church, just one church. Imagine that. It's almost the size of El Paso. Imagine a church that big. I've been on his conference and been on his board for years. I've spent time with this great man of God. So he's poured into me how to build a church, how to believe God for big things. So when you see Tommy Barnett, you see a little bit of Young Cho. But when you see Tommy Barnett, you see a little bit of Herschel Barnett. He was my father, the father of the bus ministry. He taught me how to run buses. He taught me how to do illustrated sermons, and, and he taught me how to give an altar call. My dad, that is my dad. You see a little bit of Herschel Barnett. And so today, being a product of what I have seen and what I have heard, I'm going to speak to you more of an impartation than I am a sermon. I'm going to give you my life's verse. It is Philippians 4.19. God gave this to me when I went to L.A. It looked overwhelming. It was bigger than me. 25 million people. How do you make an impression? How do you get to be known? How do you reach out to people? How do you finance it? And I begin to worry and I begin to fret. But God gave me this scripture. My God shall supply all of your needs. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the next few minutes that your spirit will fall upon me and I will be anointed with the Holy Spirit. Now, help me to be a blessing to this people. I do not ask for the joy of preaching a great message, Lord, but I have a great truth. And help me to give it to these great people. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. I'm a needy person. Look at me and try to have compassion. You don't look too compassionate right now. But I'm a needy person. I'm not poor, but I'm needy. The truth is I've probably never been more emotionally secure and strong as I am today, but I'm a very needy person. I've got incredible loyal friends that any man could ever have, and yet you're looking at a very needy person. I'm physically well and strong. I'm a lean, mean, killing, I mean kingdom machine, amen. <laughs> but I've got a lot of needs in my life to accomplish the purpose that God has put me here today. And I need a lot of friends to do what God has called me to do. So I'm a needy person. But this morning, I want to challenge you that it is the will of God for your life to, to be full of need, the right kind of need. Now there's bad need, there's wrong need, but I'm talking about the right kind of need. Revelations chapter 3 and verse 14. I want you to write this letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. I know the things that you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm, mediocre, status quo, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I have need of nothing. But don't you realize that you're wretched, miserable, poor, naked, and blind? Now notice that their mediocrity, that their lukewarmness, that their status quo comes out of their need for nothing. 
Now, I want to show you that need is not always the evil thing that we always portray to me by making six statements. Listen closely. Statement number one, you need more of the right kind of need. My God shall supply all of your need. Now, stick with me. If you don't have any need, then why would you need any supply? My God shall supply what? All of your needs. And it's a purpose according to the riches that are in Christ Jesus. Now, we know that supply comes out of the riches of Christ Jesus. Is that right? Then think about this. Maybe the need also comes out of his riches. Do you know why this church needs hundreds of thousands of dollars every single year? It is because of the blessing and the favor of God that is on this church. This church gives submissions. This church has been an unbelievable giver to the Dream Center, which we thank God so much. And by the way, when your pastor came and preached, they loved him. After he finished preaching, you know, it's an inner city church. They said, he is a bad preacher. Amen. One fellow said, he's so bad that he's corrupt. Amen. That means he's really good. Amen. How many didn't know you had a corrupt pastor? Amen. Yeah. But this church has been so generous and faithful. You support missions around the world, hurting people, human trafficking people. I could go on and on. And that kind of Ministry attracts the favor and the blessings of God. And the supply, don't miss this, is promised to that kind of need. You take away the need, you don't need any supply. Supply is not always evil. It's always not a bad thing. In fact, need can be a very exciting thing. Now, there are needs that come out of greed. I'll tell you a story of a famous pastor. You all know who he is. Well, the most famous pastors that ever came about. He called me one day, and he said, I'm building my new building. Can you tell me? You started your building? I said, that's right. He said, is it finished? Nope. He said, how far along are you? I said, well, get the wall and the roof on. He said, could you knock out the wall and make it any bigger? I said, no. He said, you sure? I said, I'm sure. How many will it seat? I said, well, it seats. Supposed to seat 6,6500 people. Well, he said, the reason I want to know I'm building my building and I want to be sure it was bigger than you. <laughs> now, that need came out of his inner poverty. Amen. But I have found that the right kind of need will attract the supernatural power of God. Mother Teresa went to New York City several years ago. Mayor Giuliani was so impressed by her. He said, Mother Teresa, is there anything that you need that I could do for you? Oh, yes. She said, I need a building. He said, when do you need it? Thinking maybe in a year or a couple of months. And she said, I need it tomorrow. And the next day, she had her building. You see, I have found that the right kind of need will attract the supernatural power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there is no lack of supply. There is only lack of the right kind of purpose. The Bible said that the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. I don't wake up in the morning and say, get behind me, devil. I rebuke you again. No, I don't. I wake up and say, good morning, Lord. The whole earth is filled with your glory. What route should I take to church? What direction should I go? 
Because I realize that we have a great God. There is no lack with God. I see His glory. Matter of fact, I can hardly wait to get up in the morning. I feel like kind of like Joe Namath. By the way, old Joe Namath came this year to our athletes conference that we have every year. And old Joe, he used to say, I couldn't wait to get up in the morning to see how good looking I'd got during the night. Amen. I can relate to that. Amen. Hurts me when you laugh that way. So number one, you need more of the right kind of need. Number two, the bigger the need, the bigger the supply. Number three, God knows your need. He said in Matthew 6, 8, for the Father knows the things. What things do you need? He knows the things that you need before you even ask. And he is preparing miracles. For, he's already prepared miracles for you. Just waiting for you to step in the spot to receive those miracles. They were prepared from the foundation of the earth. And some of those miracles, don't miss this, are in seed form. Now, you've you got to understand seed form. Just for instance, be very careful how you treat the one beside you. They may be in seed form. Nudge them and say, you better treat me good. Amen. I, I'm going to be something when I grow up. Amen. You're going to, you, I, I love the story about the, the fellow that came from overseas, and he was an immigrant, couldn't speak hardly any English, and he needed a job. He's walking down the street one day, and he saw a sign in front of the Baptist church, and it read this way, we need a janitor. He went in, thought, boy, I'll apply. So he applied. And the fellow said, now, tell us about yourself. How much education do you have? He said, very little. Did you go to college? He said, no. Oh, he said, we can hire you. You have to have a college education to be the janitor of this church. So he left discouraged. He walked out. He saw a man selling fruit. And so he gave him a nickel for an apple. He went to the street corner and began to eat that apple. Just before he took the first bite, a fellow walked by and said, hey, that looks like a good apple. I'll give you a dime. So he sold the apple. He went back and bought two apples. He was getting ready to bite into a fellow came by and said, I'll give you a quarter for those two apples. So he went back and bought some more. This kept on. So one day he had his own car. And then he had a produce company. One day he went to the bank with a million-dollar check and said, I'd like to deposit this. And the guy said, wow, that's amazing. He said, sign right here. He said, well, I can't sign my name. He said, did you go to college? He said, no. He said, I'm so impressed. Where would you be if you had a college education? He said, I'd be the janitor at the First Baptist Church. Amen. <laughs> You never know who you're sitting by. Come on. All right. So treat them good. Hey, several years ago, I was asked to preach at the National Black Pastors Conference in Washington, D.C. I was the only Caucasian on the program. And I said, why in the world did you invite me? Everybody knows these black preachers are the greatest preachers in the world. You've just set me up for failure. I feel like pygmy among these giants. Why? And they said, preacher, we invited you because... You got a black heart. Amen. <laughs> well, that night I preached my black heart out. I was, a, I was in fast company. Amen. I mean, I, I got with the music. You know, they play, and I begin to get in rhythm. I mean, I, I even started rapping. I couldn't believe I was doing that. Huh? <laughs> Sending that audience was a little pastor. His church ran about 100. He was about to drown financially, he was about to quit the ministry. And he said, oh, God, 
And I preached a message that I'm pretty well known for, the miracle in the house. And he said, oh, God, if you'll just get me out of here, I'm going to be the miracle in this house. He told me later he got so excited, he thought he was going to have a heart attack. He went home and his little church began to grow. Soon he had hundreds. And then he got on national television and preached and stirred the nation. Several years later, he invited me to preach at his first pastor's conference. He told that story and said, I decided that night that if I ever had my own Pastor Barnett, would be the first night speaker. There were over 6,000 pastors there that night. You might have heard of the fellow. His name was T.D. Jakes. <laughs> Sitting right there in that audience, there was a miracle that was in this house. He was in seed form. And by the way, there could be miracles in this house today. There could be men and women who are entrepreneurs, people that are God is blessing and he's going to bless greater. There are people in this building that someday could give this pastor a million-dollar check. Now, be sure his blood pressure is good. He may just die. He may fall out right there. Amen. But I really believe that. I said that years ago. I said, I believe somebody's going to give me a million dollars for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I got to tell you, I've never asked anybody individual for one penny. But when we went to the Dream Center, we needed miracles. And I can tell you now that I've had over 25 people give a million dollars or more for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not in the position to do that, but God began to bless them. They got saved. They began to believe God for great things. I really didn't intend to park here for a little while, but I just feel like God is spurring in the hearts of people to do something for the cause. This place, if any place needs a bigger building, this one needs one. Come on, say a good amen. This church needs a place to launch out to do even greater things for the glory of God. But God is preparing provision right now for your vision. He's in the process of answering needs that you didn't even know you have. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, I has not seen, our ears have not heard the things that God has for his people. If you would have told me some 63 years ago when I started the ministry that someday I'd pastor a church like ours, one of the five largest churches in America, if you would have told me that, that I would become the chancellor of one of the largest universities, Grand Canyon University, with 80,000 students. I would have said, sure, buddy prophet. I mean, when they asked me to be the chancellor, I thought they were talking about a chandelier. That's how dumb I was. Amen. Without any college education. If you would have told me that I'd be the pastor of Joyce Myers and Brian Houston, Willie George, I'd go on and on, and the pastor of people like Ty Beam. If you would have told me that, I'd said, sure, buddy prophet. You see, God is preparing something for us. He's just looking for people that he loves and trusts him. See, the problem is, but we think that a delay is a denial. But the Bible says, though the vision tarries, it will come to pass if we faint not. But most people never get to the vision because they faint. I've said this over and over and pretty well known about it. It's been said, if you keep a dream, for five years. And I put that in the hearts of them men like this. Your dream will come to pass. This guy had a dream when he came to pastor school. 
He always had the dream for this right here. He talked about it till we're sick of the cowboy church. Amen. <laughs> Did you know how long I waited for the dream center before it came to pass? I drove down through L.A. and I drove by Angelus Temple. Amy McPherson had built that years ago. The first mega church. And God spoke to me and said, someday you're going to be a pastor of that church. And I said, God, you really miss God on that one. Amen. <laughs> because I'm assemblies of God and they are four square and we have no dealings one with another. Isn't that pitiful? Come on, say yeah. It was five years after, 40 years after God spoke to me that I obeyed the call to L.A. But in that moment, God was doing something. He was preparing people to fund that program. There were men making money. They didn't know why they were making money. And they said, we didn't even know you. But we were making money for this moment to help you out. God was preparing. They were in seed form. Matter of fact, the pastor of that church was in seed form. He wasn't even born yet. He really was a seed. Amen. All right. Waiting for the appointed time. Waiting for due season. Due season is coming. Come on, say a good amen. Don't be weary in well-doing and don't faint. So number one, you need more of the right kind of need. Number two, the bigger the need, the bigger the supply. Number three, God knows your need before you ask. And number four, you need to know your need. Revelations 3.17, you say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. Don't you realize you're miserable, wretched, poor, blind, and naked? Well, pastor, I'll never need to work again. The kids are married. I'm rid of those yokes. One yoke has run off to college. Another's run off with some yokel, and <laughs> the church debt is paid off. At that moment, God says, and don't miss this, you're in a dangerous position. Recently I spoke, well several years ago, I picked up the Pentecostal Evangel. I read the story of a church in, that was the largest church in the world in San Paulo, Brazil. They were running hundreds of thousands of people. Signs, wonders, and miracles. People say crowds coming. It was unbelievable. But one day the pastor of that church noticed the church peaked and it began to ebb and go down. He knew he had to do something. He began to fast and pray. And one day God spoke to him and said, I want you to go to your board and to your church. They've labored hard to pay the building off. But I want you to mortgage the building and get all the money you can get out of it. And I want you to use it to build churches all over this great city. He went to them and they agreed. They thought it was a man of God. They mortgaged it and began to make payments again. I was there three years ago to preach at that great church. Today, they have 260 some odd thousand people in their church. They started over a thousand churches in that city. The point I'm trying to make is this. You need to know what your need is. You see, a needless life is an unproductive life. A meaningless life is a mediocre life. You need to know your need. So you'll say, Pastor, you've convinced us that we need to have a need. But what should I do if I don't have a need? Well, you need to find a need and then fill that need. 
Well, Pastor, nobody needs me. The church doesn't need me. They got all the volunteers they need. My children don't need me anymore. They're married and doing fine. Okay, let me tell you what to do. Find a need in that church or in them or in your company. Find a need that they didn't know that they have and fill it. When I first, my pastor, my first church, Davenport, Iowa, had 76 of the meanest Christians you've ever seen in your life. Amen. Just to preach, I had to quote that scripture, be not dismayed by their faces. But they grew to be a wonderful, loving church. And everybody knew that I go to church real early on Sunday morning, about four o'clock, just to walk the grounds and pray and go over my notes and just seek the Lord. And I like to have a cup of coffee and I like to have a donut, you know. But there were no Krispy Kreme donuts then. How many of you know Krispy Kreme donuts? In case you don't know, that's what fell in the form of manna from heaven. Yeah. And I'd like to have a cup of Starbucks coffee. Do you have Starbucks here? Yeah. Until the anointing kicks in, I've got Starbucks. Come on, say it amen. But there were no Starbucks. But that little grandma found a need in me. And on Saturday night, she'd pick a donut. And she would come down to the church at 4 o'clock, heat the donut, and make me some coffee and serve me. One day we had a snowstorm. The snow was almost up to your knees. And little grandma couldn't be there. And I got mad at her. I want to kick her out of the church. Amen. She had found in me a need that even I didn't even know. And she had filled it. So you'd like to be on the staff of the church? Can I tell you how? You find a need that pastor has. Maybe you didn't even know it. And you take it and make it great. See, it won't make you great, but you can make the need great. And then when it gets big, threaten to leave if he doesn't hire you. Come on, say a good amen. You've created a need within. Hey, I don't know if Matthew told you when he was here. Has Matthew been here and preached? But he started. A little lady came to the church and told him, we've got a new ministry. He said, what is it? She said, it's the pimp ministry. Did he tell you that story? Well, I'll tell it better than him. All right. Yeah, you have to realize he's just a chip. I'm the block. Amen. When you see Matthew, you get new Coke. When you see me, you get the real thing. Amen. Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell, I'll tell it my way. All right. And the little lady said, uh, it's pit ministry. He said, well, tell me, what is it? She said, well, I go to this donut shop. I'm kind of stuck on donuts this morning. I'm kind of hungry. And all the pimps hang out there, and I go in and preach to them. She said, well, do they like it? She said, no, they hate it. <laughs> but I do it anyway. So now when I go, they say, everybody listen, our pastor's here, and we're going to give her seven minutes. And I preached him for seven minutes. She said, not too long ago, they invited me to go with them to the National Pimp convention. They literally have a pimp convention in LA. I'm not making this up. One year they gave away a pimp of the year award. One year they gave the Dennis Rodman. He was pimp of the year. So she went. After it was over with, she said, well, now I've come to your conference, so you got to come with me to church. And they said, well, she did come. We, we better pay her back. Matthew said he had never in his life seen. As he looked back, he saw all the pimps sitting there with the hats on and the canes. And he said they all had pink coats on. He said the only place he had seen more pink coats was on Christian television. Amen. You know, <laughs> isn't it good to be older like I am? I just tell the truth. Amen. 
And when he gave the altar call, he looked down. And there they were at the front giving their heart to Jesus with their canes raised in the heaven and their grills gleaming. <laughs> we got a new ministry in our church. It's called the Pimp Ministry. Amen. And she is the pastor of it. Which brings me to my final point. You need to learn that you got to seed your need. In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 10, and it's going to get good now, so stick with me. The Bible said that God gives seed to the perfect attendance people. No. He gives seed to the people that are really nice. He gives seed to the, the sower. Notice. If we would learn how to sow, I believe we would put ourselves in a position where God could supply the increase within our life. If we'd learn how to be a sower, I believe we'd learn about God's supply within our life. Now, the Dream Center you all know about in Phoenix, Arizona. But my church in Phoenix, Arizona kind of got jealous. They said, we need a Dream Center here. But folks, pray for me because I didn't want another Dream Center. This one was just about to kill me. For all these years, I've gone out and preached every weekend and given my best and finished preaching Friday and drove over here today. And I'll drive back to catch a plane today in El Paso, back home to go another place. It's just given our life, and I'm, I'm glad to do it. But two of them, I just didn't know how we could do it. But they kept after me, kept after me. So finally one day I yielded. And I said, okay. I said, we're going to receive an offering in, in three weeks an offering to try to get the money to buy this beautiful little infancy suite hotel that opened up for us. And I asked everybody to pray about it. And that morning, I, I preached three weeks. It was the first week I, I was going to preach on faith. And that morning, I looked back, and there was a fella from Indonesia, a man I'd preached at his church, a man that was building a church that would seat 15,000 people. But he ran out of money, and he couldn't borrow anymore. And there he stood, and God spoke to me and said, I want you to give all your tithe to this man. Now, folks, we live from week to week. We can't even survive when we do that. I've never done it before. Probably never do it again. But God spoke to me, and I said, we're going to give him our tithe. That morning, we gave him well over $200,000. I thought, well... We've got a couple more Sundays. And the next Sunday, I got to preach, and the tsunami hit that part of the world. And the people came to me and said, Pastor, we got to take up an offering for the tsunami. I didn't want to take up an offering for the tsunami. I had my own tsunami. How many know what I'm talking about? But I yielded, and we took an offering. It was over $300,000. And I thought, well, I've wrecked my offering. The next week, I got up, and I just really had lost heart. I said... If you want to give, give. I forgot all about it, and that afternoon I didn't even think about it. And the lady called and said, would you like to know what the offering was? And I said, no. <laughs> she said, well, I'm going to tell you, Pastor. It was over $200,000 in cash. Excuse me, $2 million in cash. And 2.6 in pledges. I had no idea. See, I'm trying to tell you. If we learn that sometimes we just have to sow a seed within our need. A few years later, Katrina hit. 
And when he did, Matthew said, Dad, we've got to get some of those people. Give them a place to live. I said, no, let the Texans and the New Mexico people take care of that. <laughs> They've got the oil. Come on, amen. Thank God. I said, it's too far out here. But he said, Dad, I'm surprised you. I've always heard you preach. Money follows ministry. I just hate it when they use my preaching against me. <laughs> so I said, okay, Matthew, try to figure it out. It was going to take $20,000 just to rent one bus to bring, and we were bringing 300 families out. When a man showed up at the Dream Center from the Kabbalah faith and said, I heard about what you're doing, and I'm going to fly them all out by private jet. The Bible said he'd take the wealth of the wicked and give it to the righteous. Amen. And that plane would take off and they would land. And we were, we were the only ones doing it in L.A. We became the darling of L.A. You talk about provision begin to come in. The finances begin to come in. For instance, a four square heard about and they gave us 100000 Dr. Cho heard about it. He sent 100000 TBN heard about it, and they sent $200,000. Daystar, not to be outdone, they sent $200,000. National television heard about it. CNN came, Inside Edition did a story. CBS, Lou Dobbs, NBC, Good Morning America. People began to come. Dr. Phil showed up <laughs> and did two shows from the Dream Center. Movie stars showed up. Ben Stiller, Nicole Ritchie. I could go on her own. Politicians showed up. Patty Reagan, Reese River, Senator Kyle. Sports personalities showed up. Magic Johnson showed up. Gave everybody Starbucks cards because he owns them. He, he gave them all kind of a big barbecue at the Dream Center. Sugar Ray Leonard, the boxer, showed up. Mike Tyson showed up. When he showed up, I wore my earmuffs. Amen. <laughs> Thank God. You got to do what you got to do. Come on, say good amen. And these personalities, are you ready for this? They begin to come to our church. Pa Patricia Heaton, you know, I love Raymond. She became a faithful member of our church. Elijah Kelly of Hairspray and Red Tail Movie showed up. Sinbad, the comedian. Rodney, Rodney Jurgens, the number one fellow making songs. Chris Tucker, the movie star, came to the altar last Easter. Are you ready for this? Stevie Wonder showed up. And he said, Matthew, can I sing a song on Easter Sunday? And Matthew said, you can sing too if you want to. Amen. <laughs> and he came up and began to sing an old spiritual and rocked the place. And as I looked over that audience, when you come in the Dream Center, you see human trafficking girls rescued. You see little girls that show up with their teeth knocked out, either knocked out by men who brutalize them or are drugs that eat away. They cover their mouth when they smile, but we just love them. I go by, visit them every week and give them a hug and tell them I love them. Now they line up and wait for a hug from the old grandpa preacher, amen. If you look over the Dream Center, you'll see people that come from Skid Row that sleep in boxes all night. If you look over that audience, you see them from gangs and homosexual background, everything in the world. I mean, it is a place for the disenfranchised. The lepers of L.A. come to that church. Whereas you have the cowboy church. We have the church for the downtrodden. But if you will look real close, you'll see all over the altar scattered between them. 
the beautiful people of Hollywood, Beverly Hills, the movie stars. Matter of fact, that church has more of these kind of people, the show people, than any place in church. And as I look recently over the audience, God spoke to me these words. Do you remember that day that you ran through the city when you first got here? And you were rather depressed. You saw that man standing on the street corner, cursing and yelling. His mind, he had lost it. You remember when you ran through Skid Row, you could smell human waste. You remember how discouraged you got and said, God, how are we going to build a church here? There's no jobs. The fathers have deserted. There's anarchy. And I got discouraged, but you spoke to me these words. If you will reach people that nobody else wants, I'll give you people that everybody wants. Recently, Joyce Meyer came to the Dream Center. She's been one of our support and gave us an offering of a million dollars for the, the girls floor. I said, Joyce, thank you. I'm so grateful and I just thanked her. And she said in her Joyce Meyer voice, don't thank me. I'm just trying to pay my bills. <laughs> what she was saying is, I'm trying to sow a seed because I have big needs. There's a scripture I'd like to end that reads this way. The Bible said that God would send grace along the way. That He would send grace in our time of need. And I believe there are people in this building that have needs. They could be financial needs, but maybe they're even bigger than that. You have children breaking your heart. Kids that are on drugs. You have a marriage that's really suffering. The doctor told you that it's inoperable. It's going to be fatal. I'm talking to people who look at their own life and say, if I continue on like this, I'm going to be dead in a few years. These drugs are going to get me. This way of living is going to get me. If I continue like I am, I'm going to lose my wife, my husband, my children. And God sent you here this morning. And I believe God sent me here this morning. Because the only hope for you right now, when everything else fails, is to turn to the Lord. In your time of need, every head is bowed. Every eye closed. I want no one to look around and please out of respect to the Holy Spirit. I will ask that no one please move from this auditorium. For it was this moment that we have met because it was for this moment that Jesus gave his life. But just before I close, I'm going to pray. And I want to pray for everyone in this building. You'll say, Pastor, thank you so much for delivering this message. I needed it, and I need you to pray for me. And in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And the reason I'm doing it is I pray better when I know who I'm praying for. So our heads are bowed, and only God will see that And No one is looking around. If you want Christ, if you need God, if you say, Pastor, I have a great need, when I ask you to raise your hand, no one will see it, but God will and I will. But I believe hands are going to go up all over this building. Husbands and wives and children. 
So when I ask you to raise your hand from the left to the right, to the front, to the rear of this auditorium, if that's you and you want me to pray for you, I believe that I believe there are multitudes of you. I want you to put your hand up right now, all over this building. They're going up all over this building. Put them real high. There's got to be 50, 75 people at least. Keep raising. Keep raising. You may put them down now. Father, I pray for every need. Only you know what they are, God. But I pray, God, that you will come and intervene here today. As we sit there, we make a statement. Today, our life will change. We realize that you're even speaking to us through our need. We're somewhat like David. Had to go to the cave before he got to the palace. We're the pain now. But the palace is ahead. And now that you keep your head bowed, I'm going to ask everyone in this building to join me in the prayer. It's called the prayer of repentance. And I'm going to ask every one of you that raised your hand and said, Pastor, pray for me. If you need God, the moment you repeat this prayer, Christ is going to come into your heart. This is a great moment. I want all of you to begin to get ready and I want all the Christians to pray with them. And I want it to sound like thunder. So loud and clear, everyone repeat this prayer. Dear God, I need a Savior. You said that if I would ask you, that you would forgive me. And I believe you, Lord. I repent of my sins. I give my life to you. You are now my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for coming into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, give the Lord a good clap on me right now. I see people wiping their eyes. Now, one more word. I'm going to turn to you, Pastor. I'll make this very brief. There would be no dream center if it wasn't for churches. Now and then I hear people saying, well, you know, pastors, they're building their own little kingdom. Don't say that to me. I'll poke you right in the nose. Amen. Because you know who built the Dream Center? Churches like this. Pastors who had a heart for the kingdom of God. And they poured in other people's needs when they had needs as bigger and bigger. And you people have done that. When I go out, I simply ask, I get asked, what do we need to get you there financially? I've never put a dollar mark on it. I never will. No. I simply say, since we started the Dream Center, if you'll just either receive an offering, in some cases it's an honorarium, you just fill it out to the Dream Center. I've done that for 20 years plus, not taking a penny myself. You'll say, well, they probably, they probably gave you an offering, a, a salary at the Dream Center. No, and I'm rather bitter about that. Amen. But, yeah. No, I chose it that way. Every penny you get, we're kind of at a crisis at the Dream Center, and here's why. We have 15 floors and we re recently finished the top six. We were going to fill it up as we had the money, but Matthew, you know how he is. He filled it up in a month. 300 more people. So that means there's 900 people that we have to feed and clothe and house, take care, and nobody pays to come to the Dream Center. 
When he added those 300, that was $300,000 more a month. And it put us in a bind. I tell you what this offering is going to go for today. It's going to go for the human trafficking floor. It's the most expensive ministry we have. We find these little girls. We have one in there 12 years of age. Little trafficking girl. We have another girl in there that literally, I don't know how to explain it. I won't be back, but it's so crippled. She can't walk, can hardly talk. She was sold at a bigger price to men because her condition and evil men wanted this precious little girl more than ever and she was from Mexico by the way we took her in and one of our ladies in church fell in love with this little crippled girl and adopted her legally and took her home it takes over $300,000 run the, the women's floor they have to have special guards special medical attention they have to have psychological help these girls minds are right you're offering we are short this year of the budget. And we're facing really that we're going to have to cut back if we don't get out of it. But I, I told him I believe in the next month God's going to speak through the people and we will not have to limit but go forward. Thank you for what you've done and thank you for the offering. Very few pastors on a Sunday morning will say we're going to receive a second offering for the church. Pastor, thank you so much. I love you. And you've been one of the greatest audiences I've ever preached to. You are bad on congregation. Amen. I love you all. God bless you all. Steve, Steve will you take Pastor to the to the books to the table? Pastor's going to be signing his books here in a minute. Uh, he, let me just tell you real quick. I've, I've seen it for myself. Today, a lot of numbers were thrown your way. I know. I. I I could feel your looks when you thought, boy, a hundred thousand around here is a hundred thousand. A million dollars. That's a million dollars. I heard you gasp. And, and let me tell you, when you're around people who are world changers, sometimes, sometimes it's a little overwhelming what it takes to change the world. Don't miss what I just said. One of the things that can happen when you're around a world changer is you can get so drowned by your world and the world they live in. And let me just calm you down and let you know. Look around this place. Your world equals their world. And their world is a part of your world. And this whole community right here is an amazing community to be because we're all in it together. And one thing we've always believed around here is if everybody does what they're supposed to be doing, then we'll all be doing what we're supposed to be doing. It's one of our yogiisms around here, but it fits. We're not asking you to do what other people can do. We're asking you to do what God's asking you to do. Because when you take that and put it with what the person next to you is going to do and the person next to you is going to do, all of a sudden we change the world together. Now on this note, I've seen the Dream Center for myself. There is nobody I know more integritous with money than Tommy Barnett. I've been to his apartment. That's right, his apartment. To where he's just chose to live in a small house and this is how he lives. And, and I even, I, I helped him move in one day. And you would say, wait, doesn't this money go towards him? Not a dime goes towards him. That's how he lives his life. 
He loves to go. He loves to, to, to share the vision that God's put on his heart. And every dime you give today is going directly to the Dream Center. We even write the check to the Dream Center. He doesn't even touch it. He doesn't want to touch it. He's going to go to the next church and he's going to tell what God's doing. I've never seen somebody who is more integritous with the money that we sow than Tommy Barnett for the kingdom of God. So that's important for you to know. Very important. Today we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to bless what he's asked you to give. We're going to accumulate it. And we're going to write one check from Cowboy Junction Church to the Los Angeles Dream Center. Now, if you're in this room and you would say, I'd love to go to the Dream Center. I'd love to see the floor where the young ladies, I've been there. The young ladies with the the guards are standing at the door and you can't go all the way in. There's a protection going on. We, we, we go to the floor where the, 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 the rehab is taking place for the women and the rehab is taking place for the men. We have been there. My family, Hudson Bean was an official, uh, official onion counter for the food distribution. He couldn't carry the boxes, so he just counted the boxes. Hudson was awesome at it. Our family, all four of us, has been there. And many of you have been there too. This money is going towards a good ministry. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we love you. And today, I pray that you would open our hearts. We will always have a small town heart, but Lord, we will never have a small town mentality. Stretch us. Show us what it is you want us to do. Cause us to be bigger, than we think we are. We are King's kids, and we're a part of your kingdom, and that extends past Lee County, New Mexico, by the way. Jesus, we love you. We need you. Bless this offering. Thank you that you've already blessed it. And Lord, I pray that you would use it to expand your kingdom. Somebody needs to hear the good news. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? If you're writing a check, you can make it out to Cowboy Junction Church. Memo it. Los Angeles Dream Center. Or just LA Dream Center. The, the, the prayer team is going to come over here. And over here, if a minute ago, you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you've never done that before. What we want you to do is while everybody's exiting, we want you to just kind of slip out of your chairs and walk up to somebody on our prayer team and just simply say, Today, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And they've got something they want to give you. Was today a great day? Yeah, too cool. Cowboy Junction, it's time for us to love God, love people, and have no limits in our life. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. God bless you guys, and have a great week in the Lord. See you later.